now on the American Veteran Podcast, we have with us Mr. Jan Scruggs. He is a Vietnam veteran. Uh, he enlisted in the Army in 1968, um, the heart of the Vietnam War. He is a Purple Heart recipient as well as a three-time Army uh, Commendation Medal recipient as well. Um, and he is the founder of the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Foundation, and that's a very short list of, of his many, many accomplishments. But I want to thank you, Mr. Scruggs, for carving out some time with us today. We we came to this uh, within the last few hours. So, um, again, thank you for being so gracious with your time. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to spend some time just looking at the, the MBET's Facebook page and their website, the important things that MBET does that uh, really have an impact, I mean, a measurable impact on veterans' employment and uh, issues about veterans' rights from injuries and this, uh, these, these burn pits, uh, you know, <laughs> these have extracted quite some significant health problems for many military veterans. It's interesting that you mentioned that, you know, I'm not a veteran myself, um, but I've, I've been working with AMVETS for about six years now, and, and my father and my grandfather are veterans, so I've, I've definitely been around it for a while. And when we talk about uh, things like PTSD, uh, toxic exposure, um, and you know just the resources that are needed around it, a lot of people are like, well, when does it really end? And it, it doesn't. I think a lot of people don't understand all that can entail from, uh, from military service. Yes, there are many, many injuries. Uh, first of all, there are many good things that come from going in the military, and it's very important for the country to be able to have people who defend us overseas and elsewhere. And uh, But some of those people who get in the middle of combat, they, they die, they get seriously injured physically or also psychologically. And... Uh, this sometimes results in suicide and this is a big uh, I'm very excited about this this is a big effort of AMVETS they really look at the suicide issue very carefully and uh, they try to do something about it by getting getting people paired up with people who can help them so Mr. Scruggs you enlisted um, in 1968 you know a lot of, of brave men at the time uh, did enlist in the Vietnam War um, but you know, there, there are a lot of, of young men who would not enlist during a war, um, and a lot were also you know, drafted. You, you chose to do so. So if, if you would, um, you know, give us what you, what you want and what you will of, of your time um, in Vietnam. Oh, well, you know, I was just a, you know infantry guy. I was with the 199th Light Infantry Brigade in Vietnam, we were a little north of Saigon, about 50 miles, and uh, there was a lot of enemy activity there with the uh, North Vietnamese regulars, you know, who were very skilled and uh, very determined to uh, give us a hard time. So uh, from time to time, uh, we would come pretty close to them and have firefights and, you know, shoot through everything from throwing hand grenades to calling in helicopter gunships. That would just kind of hover above you. You throw some 
uh, some some flares out and so forth. So just shoot north of the flares, about 50 feet, and that's where the enemy are. So there was uh, plenty of excitement uh, as well. But most of my time in Vietnam was not very exciting, and uh, I sat around firing mortar mortar shells uh, <laughs> as needed. That that's as ordered, rather. <laughs> That, that is very modest. Um, you are the recipient uh, three times of, a, of an Army Commendation Medal. Um, and, you know, obviously we don't have to go into every single story that it entails of those. Um, people can e actually easily uh, look them up. Um, you are all over the, uh, the World Wide Web. Um, but I was, I was reading up that when you left the service, you took some time for yourself. You... You got a motorcycle and um, kind of went around the country. How much healing do you help, think helped that helped with when you returned from Vietnam or, or put things maybe in perspective of where you wanted to move forward? Well, you know, I, I got back from Vietnam having completed two years in the military and I still had like eight months to go before I could even buy a drink. <laughs> get a cocktail or a beer in a bar. So, uh, uh, yeah, I needed some time to sort of get this, these experiences behind me. It was really bothering me. So I went out to California and checked around, always met some interesting people. And uh, back in Maryland, where I grew up, I you know, got into motorcycles as well, and you know, dangerous activities. And... Uh, I had some very close calls with uh, traffic <laughs> incidents from time to time, and uh, was very lucky to to stay alive. Uh, in Vietnam, I was in a fairly significant battle, and uh, some enemy troops right got right behind us with a rocket-propelled grenade and and fired a couple. But you know, right before the this happened, about an hour before that, I was hit along with three other soldiers. We, uh, I took an army poncho and put it behind my, my pants in case I was hit there, or I figured I would get shot that day because there's so much activity going on. And that's exactly what happened. The shrapnel, probably a fourth of the shrapnel, uh, actually were stopped by that uh, army poncho that had been folded together. So uh, one piece in particular was almost the size of a golf ball and would have probably split my spine so uh, that was a close call and when that happened uh, I fired my rifle at an M16 and then I went to reload it and uh, I just felt the blood oozing out of my body I just couldn't do it but I put another magazine in chambered around and just put my hand on the trigger because I didn't want to be captured and uh as I was laying there, I had kind of one of these out-of-body experiences in which I was kind of floating upward, kind of looking down at my body, you know, praying, of course, <laughs> the Lord's Prayer and anything else I could come up with. And uh, so that, that was a, an amazing day. And the, the other sort of uh, significant event, there are many of them, but in January of 1970, well, people I knew very well uh, were killed by an accidental explosion in, in Vietnam, a little city called Swan Lock at the fire support base Nancy. They were all killed uh, 
none of them survived and uh, there was nothing we could do so that really sort of got to me and uh, when you talk about suicide all I can tell you is one, one night I was I decided to get myself a college degree and I was working part time as a janitor and, you know and, and I'm just saying to myself one night no this really sucks I think I might just blew my brains out so I took <laughs> I took a 38 caliber revolver which I had you know and screwed around with the cylinder and I just said you know I, I think I'm going to do this and I, I pulled the hammer back you know the mechanism is a hammer it was back and uh, put my finger on the trigger and then I looked in the mirror and I said this is a bad idea <laughs> so, yeah what you do with the revolver is you put your other finger under the hammer so that the hammer doesn't strike the uh, primer of the, uh, of the weapon. So had I done that, I would have missed a really great life. Uh, I became an expert on post-traumatic stress disorder. I testified before the Congress. I wrote uh, several articles for the Washington Post, also for military medicine. I uh, became a lawyer, got, got a law degree, and uh, had, had a great life, great marriage, great everything, you know. But a lot of times, some of the people, veterans or whoever, they have one bad time in their life. You know, maybe they got financial problems, other problems, and suicide seems like an option that seems just fine. And uh, But it's not, because the people who are left behind, you're breaking their hearts forever. Don't do this. Don't shoot yourself or don't don't do that because uh, the other people will never recover and neither will you (laughs) if you're successful so uh, those are my words of wisdom and as we were talking a little bit before we started recording there are so many different factors that play into not only um, a veteran or a service member deciding to doing to do that but you know just you, the general public, your, your everyday person, um, there, there's many factors that can play into to making that decision, um, and you know the veteran community as a whole is very glad that that you didn't. Um, and you mentioned you know being an expert on on PTSD, um, which is just a part of of mental health, um, but and that you testified before Congress. Are, are there are there things that, you know, I, I guess after Vietnam to to now that we as either, you know, Veterans Affairs Congress or the general American public still need to uh, confront about PTSD that maybe we, we either tread around or um, we're not quite understanding? I think the... Uh... The, the government, I give them pretty high marks with PTSD. They do have this sort of, you know, uh, small town kind of atmosphere, these uh, center, PTSD centers, what are they called, vet centers? Yes. Yeah, and that that was how I got involved, was encouraging the uh, acceptance of this. And, you know, they did it for the Vietnam veterans, but, you know, all of a sudden World War II veterans started coming in there. And now, primarily, when you go to one of these vet centers, you see guys from the Persian Gulf War, the War on Terror, you know, Somalia, uh, other places as well. So, and uh, PTSD, it really, 
fundamentally and physically kind of changes your brain, your, the frontal cortex of your of your brain, and uh, it can make you act irrationally and and can have a, a significant effects. So uh, everyone needs to understand that there's nothing unusual about PTSD. I mean, if you talk to women, for example, somebody of whom have been sexually molested, and you don't recover from that the next day either, too. You know, so this is a, a big problem for our country, and uh, we will rise to the occasion and do the best we can. The other things that get less attention, maybe less dramatic, are these burn pits that occurred during Iraq, and the Iraq war, and they had mustard gas and all this stuff going in the noses of these soldiers and went from the nose down the throat into the lungs and a lot of these guys became extremely ill and, and uh, are hurting so they need to be helped as well and uh, it's the, the price of these wars that we fight and I, I think we need to be <laughs> uh, more careful where we decide to fight but uh once we're there and our soldiers are getting hurt, we, we need to understand that uh, the government's got to stand behind them when they come back because these veterans from Iraq and Afghanistan now, some of these are having a hard time in their life, you know. They're trying to find a job and uh, have be productive citizens, and that's kind of and keeps you on a normal footing. So I, I really appreciate the fact that AMVETS really goes after the military veterans who need a job. They've been working with Lowe's and other corporations, foundations as well, to coordinate and, and redouble the efforts. So it's a very, very inspiring to see the work you guys are doing, guys and gals. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I, I want to jump forward a few years after you come back from Vietnam. Um, and from what I was reading is that you um, you went to see a movie the, the Deer Hunter that really really stuck with you um, and just a, a few months later um, really focused on the formation of the, the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Foundation uh, which would lead to uh, the, the Vietnam Wall one of the more iconic uh, memorials in our country um, it, and from what I read it was almost uh, like a fixation on the movie this movie stuck with you so much and it was this this inspiration to um to to really launch all of this into something that's become humongous do you ever look back on you know inspirations that that have led uh to this and and truly reflect on the fact that you know maybe wow i'm, I'm really glad that i went and, and saw that movie or i'm glad that i did this it's led to so much that that now is a huge source of healing for for many veterans so many veterans go to that wall and, and spend so much time yeah. there uh, the, the movie uh with robert de niro is very, very dramatic and it all sort of revolved around russian roulette and one of his guys was captured and he was playing russian roulette and you know that's all you really need to know about it and when you go to war you are playing russian roulette i mean you don't have to be a first guy on a patrol with some Navy SEALs, you could be back and and uh, doing a desk job behind the enemy lines where it's nice and secure and have a rocket just boom, 
blow you away. Uh, I've talked to people who had it during Vietnam, even got seriously wounded in the last three or four days while they were in Vietnam. And, uh, you know, they, they had never barely been under enemy fire. So there's a lot of bad luck that goes. But I saw the movie and uh, stayed up that night. And because I had this this interest in PTSD, which was motivated by my own PTSD, uh, I kept thinking about how the words of uh, Austrian psychiatrist Carl Jung, he talked about how nations have these uh, archetypes and the great archetype, which is the most common uh, around the world, is the, the soldier, man or woman, or person who stands in front of, looks death in the face, who maybe gets wounded fighting a battle, who is not afraid to give his or her life to save others. So this is something that's kind of drilled into us. We all appreciate these people. So the, the theory was I would have this memorial in Washington somehow and get it engraved with the names of all the fallen soldiers from the Vietnam War. So I started in 1979, 1982. It was built uh, not completely because of me. I had a lot of help from a lot of people, you know, United States senators, members of Congress. But we had a, a large group of graduates of the Harvard Business School who had, who had attend, attended West Point and had, who had also attended the, the Vietnam War. And uh, so I had the had this brain trust available to me and we figured out how to have a design competition the largest held in history of western civilization at the time um, had, had the design competition figured out how to raise the money figured out how to fight the battles uh, which were substantial because it was a counter-controversial design and how to get this uh, memorial dedicated uh, in november 1982 we did it in three years it's never happened before. It'll never happen again. Right. It it can take a it can take upwards of a decade to do that. Oh yeah, a, de- a decade's about the right time. Yeah, I'm involved uh, peripherally with the Global War on Terror Memorial, and that's that's a really significant uh, piece of work for the country, and uh, it's very really appropriate that it be on or near the mall. They're looking at sites, but even. The process of getting a site for a memorial, I mean, that, that takes you a year and a half, two years, because everyone's got to approve it. The D.C. government, the federal government, the, uh, the outside groups who monitor things that go up on the mall. It's very, very complicated. National Capital Planning Commission, Commission on Fine Arts, and uh, all your ducks have to be in a row. And when you walk in there, you have to have the architects with you. You have to have the architect explain how this will not affect uh, other scenic vistas and on and on and on. So it's, it's complicated. We got lucky, though, because the uh, fellow named J. Court Carter Brown was chairman of the uh, Commission on Fine Arts, and he's, he thought it was a really brilliant uh, design, and he helped us expedite the, the you know, approval process because the, 
the people who were opposed to it were, were making a lot of headway. So we had a lot of angels helped us <laughs> do this whole thing. Absolutely. Um, you know, my first few years at AMVETS, uh, we are heavily involved in um, making sure that the Desert Store War Memorial would go up somewhere. And I remember going to these meetings because I, I just wanted to try to soak in as much as possible. And they, everything was very slow rolling. Um, there was always, uh, you know, if things were moving forward, well, something's pulled back because, you know, this entity is not sure about this or that. Um, I, I have a bit, this may not translate in the slightest, but, you know, I, I see that you are from... Maryland, very close here to DC. When you were, you know, when you had the concept of the the memorial, um, did any of your your upbringing near DC, as far as, did that help play into knowing what you had to do uh, to get this off the ground? Well, the good news is I, I was born in Washington DC, and uh, lived in the Mar Maryland area all my life which is a lot different than living in Anchorage from Alaska and deciding I'm going to build a national memorial in Washington, D.C. Exactly. I, I knew the ground a little better and the people a little better. So, uh, yeah, you know, whenever, whatever you want to do in life, you, you substantiate. You can't do it by yourself. You've got to get a team behind you, people who you motivate. And uh, I think that that's what a lot of veterans are really good at. I think these two guys who put together the the Desert Storm Memorial, and it looks like that's on track. Uh, and uh, I talked to them several times, and very impressed. And, and they, they know what they're doing. And they'll get it built. They're getting significant funding, and uh, I'm pl pleased to see them making progress. So yes, there's the the Desert Storm War Memorial, uh, the Global War on Terror. Um, you know, there are all these memorials that we're we're looking forward to in the future. There's also uh, the, the Persian Gulf War Memorial um, that you uh, are behind as well. Can you give us any insight to where we are in that process of the Gulf War Memorial? And is there anything um, that the general public can do to help expedite that? Yeah, I, I would just encourage people to take time and go to their computer and look at the website, <clears throat> Global War on Terror Memorial. That's the one I've, I've been involved with. Also, the Desert Storm Memorial. You know, it's, they all need your they all need a donation and support. And uh, the more people who who get involved, the better. So that, that's what I hope people will will take from this interview. Is uh, you know, get on your computer and take a look and see if you can come up with twenty bucks or whatever to help these guys out. <laughs> because uh, it's not easy raising money, you know, particularly the environment we're in right now. That's rough out there. We'll definitely have a link uh, to that in, in the description of this podcast. Um, well, Jan, I, I, I could really, I could talk to you for hours. I, I'm not sure if you would really be up for that. Um, but um, I was, I was wondering if there's anything that we're missing out on that we that we need to discuss, or if there's anything else that that you really wanted to touch on. I just want to point out that uh, you know the Vietnam Veterans Memorial. It's really important that people visit it. I was just there yesterday, and uh, I saw this woman. She was like, uh, 
she's writing all these notes and she was putting them down very carefully at the Vietnam Veterans Memorial. And went up to her and I said, so, so what's the story here? Did you, one of your relatives get killed? And she says, no, actually, I'm a teacher from Iowa. And these are the names of, of uh, four of my students. And I'm saluting them at the Vietnam Veterans Memorial because I learned so much about them and their country. They learned so much about me and America. And uh, so they need to be saluted here too. But it just kind of shows how the Vietnam Veterans Memorial is bigger than just the Vietnam War. It's being used kind of temporarily as well. Post-traumatic stress disorder groups have been using it from Coatesville, Pennsylvania, uh, Veterans Affairs, PTSD group, and, and others as well. So uh, it's important that people take take a look and, uh, and enjoy that great piece of, of architecture because the designer, Milo Ling Wen, she was from Athens, Ohio, and uh, people gave her a really hard time. She's Asian American, and uh, it was kind of embarrassing, but we got the approvals, and uh, she's uh, gone on to a great career in architecture and actually helped pick up the design for the uh, memorial for the 9-11 in New York City. So uh, she's a really famous architect now. Wow, that's. I'm a, I'm a retired guy, so how about that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, that's terrific, and um, you know, to put even more perspective um, on the the Vietnam Veterans Memorial, um, you know, not only has it been, you know, shown in, in so many movies and and shows, um, and, and featured in so many articles, um, that it's you know it's so well known around America and. Well, internationally, but um, you know we we visit the the wall several times a year, and there are some veterans that so there's some ambets that go down there, and there are some that sit um, who who went to to Vietnam who sit at the top. Um, they can't quite go down there yet. They're not yeah. sure if they will. Yeah, it's very interesting the way the human mind works, and. Uh, You've seen things play out, but you was, there are still a few guys who live in Washington, D.C. who still haven't come to see it. <laughs> then, then you've got on Rolling Thunder, which is going to be very important this year, you got people driving all the way from Portland, Oregon to see the Vietnam Veterans Memorial and be a part of it. So uh, it's a great thing to celebrate. And, uh, and I really thank the AMBETs for their work with Rolling Thunder. I know Rob Wilkins and Walt Sides and many of the people in the leadership of, uh, of that organization and just the red, white, and blue patriots. They enjoy motorcycles. They enjoy uh, fraternity with one another. And uh, they tend to be red, white, and blue, flag-waving, <laughs> great Americans. You know, in, in taking on um, this honor, AMVETS, is keeping a lot of the traditions alive, one of which being that Friday, uh, being at the Vietnam Veterans uh, Memorial for a candlelight vigil. Obviously, we won't be able to have uh, candles and a burning flame um, on the mall. But um, and not to put you on the spot here, but will you be um, in attendance for any of the Rolling to Remember events? I I can imagine Memorial Day is already a very busy day for you or weekend. Yeah, I'm going to stay there. In, in D.C. for a couple of nights 
and uh, be a part in a, a, a lot of different activities. And uh, a guy I was wounded with in Vietnam, he's going to be there as well. And uh, we're going to have a, some press event. And I'm going to give a, some remarks at the Vietnam Veterans Memorial on, on Memorial Day, which I haven't really done in, uh, in about seven years. <laughs> so that's nice. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and we will be there. And uh, Mr. Scruggs, I want to thank you again for your time. Um, and um, again, we will have a link to where you can go to support the, the Gulf War Memorial um, in the description of this podcast. And we look forward to um, observing Memorial Day weekend uh, with you and the, the rest of the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Foundation. Well, you uh, keep in touch. If there's anything I can do for you, you got me.